Hello and welcome to our latest Grazia Life Advice. This time, our inspirational woman is someone who's seen the publishing industry from all sides. First as an editor, then as an agent, launching and running her own publishing business, and so much more. And recently, she's written her first novel. My name is Abigail Bergstrom, and I am an author and the founder of Bergstrom Studio, which is a 360 publishing consultancy and literary agency. So we talk quite a bit about success in this episode and about how to focus squarely on things you want to achieve, putting aside all those shiny distractions. Your career will be defined by the things you say no to, not the things that you say yes to. The things that I've said no to have really pushed me in the direction to where, you know, to where I am now, which is having my own business. We talk a lot about kindness, something which Abigail says is modelled to her by her parents and that she says is a universal game changer. Kindness is something you do, it's not something that you say. Or wear on a t-shirt. No, it's it's an act, it's a real Mm. act. When's the last time you did something, did something kind? And we talk about how Abigail has navigated crossing the divide from publisher to author in her own right. I wanted to write, I had a overwhelming uh, desire and urge to write and I wasn't fulfilling that in myself because of fear. Abby's got such a unique perspective not just from her brilliant career across publishing but also more broadly on life. I really hope that you enjoy our chat. Abigail thank you so much for joining us on the Grazia Life Advice podcast today. It's lovely to have you. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. You've been running around doing literary festivals at the moment. I've seen from your um, Instagram. I have. Yes, yes, yes. I've been down um, in Cheltenham. Um, I'm on the advisory advisory board for the festival, uh, which means I get to go down and cheer lots of events and speak to lots of amazing authors. So it's very, very fun, but completely knackering. Yeah. And now you're an author yourself. Is that sort of is, is there like a shift in how you feel about going to these festivals? Are people now asking you? different kinds of questions yeah it was interesting actually I, I sat on a panel um this year so rather than cheering it I was on the panel as an author um and definitely there'll be more of that next year when my book publishes so it is a slight shift but I think whenever I'm asked questions or whenever I talk about it I'm always bringing in my kind of editor hat and my agent hat and I think the 360 perspective is always useful yeah and so your book is out in February it's called What a Shame. It's brilliant. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm loving it. I'm about halfway through. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about it? Sure, yeah. So What a Shame is is sort of a dark comedy. Um, it's about a young woman called Matilda who is struggling with uh, a very sudden and dramatic breakup and the death of a close family member. And she's trying to navigate herself through the grief she's sort of at this point where everyone in her life her friends are trying to get her to move on you know it's been it's been months and months and months and it's time for her to start moving forward and so in a bid to help her do this her friends sort of push her into these uh, spiritual methods and new age uh, rituals and she goes on this sort of journey to try and try and heal but at the heart of it I think it's about overcoming grief And it's about shame and the shame that's put on women today and the shame that we live in and the trauma we carry around as a result of that. 
Okay, so um, Abby, you're here today to share with us some of your life advice and things that you've learned from your prolific and impressive career um, and life. So your first piece of advice is you are who you think you are. Could you tell me a little bit about who said this to you and what it means? Sure, yeah. So this is a a piece of advice that's been drilled into me ever since I was a kid. Um, It's from my stepdad, who is such a strong believer in the power of self-talk and this idea that you, you know, you are who you tell yourself you are. Um, I I think it's about the story that we tell ourselves. storytelling is so important right they're they're how we make sense of the world they're how we learn um and so it makes sense that they're how you know stories are how we understand ourselves but i don't think we often give a lot of thought to the narrative that we perpetuate um and then the story we tell ourselves and really it's the most important one um so this piece of advice has just always he's always corrected me and pulled me up if i said oh i'm rubbish with money he's like no 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 you're not you're not bad with money you're great with money and here's a load of examples why like why are you telling yourself that story why are you perpetuating this idea that you're bad with money when I can show you all this evidence that you're not it's so true I notice it actually with some people in my family that are like oh I'm just I'm just a drama just dramas always think things always happen to me and my life's so dramatic and I'm like oh if you keep telling yourself that that's almost like why it's happening exactly it's it, 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 it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. yeah it's interesting it's interesting to when you stop and you really think what are the things that I believe about myself what are the things that I think are inherently true and are they or is it just a narrative that I am stuck to can you think of is there other than the money example some anything else that you sort of realized you'd been telling yourself or sort of saying you were a certain type of person that when you actually really analysed it, you realised that wasn't a particularly helpful definition? Um, yeah, I think... Oh, let me think on that one a second. Sorry, I just realised that's actually a really difficult question to just think of on the spot. There are lots of them. There are lots of them. And I'm trying to think of his voice because he pulls me up on things like this all the time. But I think... Um... I think he he was very influential in terms of I've got two older sisters and living in a household, um, three young women. You know, I think we were all incredibly uh, image conscious uh, because of the society we live in and the um, pressures that were put put on us that that are put on young girls to be slim or attractive or or to be valued by the way that I, I, I look. I think I always thought that I would be valued by how I look and actually the narrative that my stepdad has helped me reframed is like no you're not you're not pretty you're not or you're not just pretty but you're actually really funny or you're really clever or he's always shifted the narrative away from this idea of having to be attractive or kind of be palatable in that way that young women from a really young age are taught and he's always really pulled us out of ourselves and praised those characteristics that I think are more commonly praised and supported in young boys. Yes, totally true. I really try and do that with my daughter when I find myself saying, oh, you look so pretty. And then I'll be like, 
and you're also brave and you're also yes. smart <laughs> and you're also kind I'm like I so know. conscious of it these days but I think that's that's great and that I think that's brilliant advice actually so uh, what's your what's your second piece of advice Abby? My second piece of advice this came from my best friend's dad daddy pang your career will be defined by the things you say no to not the things that you say yes to which I've definitely found so much comfort in and has rung truer and truer the further on I've gone into my career there's always these opportunities that come about or these doors that are ajar and it's really hard because as you progress in your career you have to sort of start ruling things out right and you have to start committing to things making decisions on things and I think yeah the things that I've said no to have really pushed me in the direction to where you know to where I am now which is having my own business right okay so was there an opportunity that you were offered that was difficult to say no to yeah yeah definitely definitely I think earlier on in my career I was offered um I was working for a publishing house and building a list there commissioning and I was offered a better job for more money at another publishing house who were bigger and more commercial And I really wanted to go for that job at the time because I was broke (laughs) and I wanted the money and I and I uh, am ambitious. I wanted the uh, title, but I knew it wasn't the right thing for me. I knew it would push me down a much, much more commercial route, um, a route in publishing that I didn't really want to go and leave behind those books that I cared so deeply about and that I really wanted to publish. And so I said no and I and I held out and played the long game really to make sure that I was working on the projects that I wanted to. Mm. So that was really, really tough. And I think even when I left um, my last job, Gleam, where, which was a literary agency that I set up and, and ran for five years, when I left that, I did get some um, people reach out with offers of kind of setting up my own imprint inside a publishing house, which is the ultimate, you know, it's, it's such a huge... Um, opportunity and would be such a huge joy to do something like that and the comfort of being on a salary and in a big publishing house and a big publishing job and role and it was it was tempting you know it's hard to say actually no I'm just going to go over here by myself and do my own thing yeah what made you feel so sure that doing your own thing was the right thing I think you know after Covid we've we've all been sitting with ourselves a lot more (laughs) for good or for bad I just had this craving for complete autonomy to just be in complete control, the making, like the maker of my own destiny and the maker of my own day from what my day to day looks like. I just didn't want to report into anybody. I didn't want to have to adapt myself to do things in a certain way or to fulfill a certain company culture. I just felt so strongly that I wanted to go off and just do it on my own and obviously take my amazing authors with me so yeah just a real a real instinct for true autonomy yeah I totally relate to that feeling and actually as someone that's done that and gone off on my own to be freelance and then gone back to company culture it can be so weird to even small things like having to sort of um, get your holiday signed off or having to tell someone if you're not feeling well or you've got an appointment or something like that, you're suddenly like, oh, this feels really infantilizing to just not be 
autonomous I know I'm still getting used to it like I, I I still after I got back from Cheltenham I thought on Monday I was I didn't get back till one in the morning I thought well maybe I've, I've worked all weekend maybe I'll take Monday off and I felt guilty I was like oh can I take <laughs> do you Monday send off? yourself an email saying dear Abby <laughs> I'm not feeling very well today is it okay <laughs> It was, it was strange. It was a real strange, no, you don't, there's no one to call or contact. You can yeah. just not work tomorrow and that's fine. Amazing. Um, but yeah. Your third piece of advice is be kind. Be kind. Yes. Universal um, game changer. Uh-huh. Tell me what, why this is an important one for you. So it's definitely from my parents. They've always led by example in terms of, they've always got a um, <laughs> a friend or a person who is down on their luck has been pushed out by society or by their friends or by their family. People are really, really going through it. And I feel like my parents have really demonstrated the power of being kind to somebody when they are really going through the worst of it and are perhaps somebody that others would find it difficult to be kind to. You know, even even in the case of animals, like every time I used I used to go home, there'd be like a random cat or some <laughs> dog that they'd taken in. You know, it's like some somebody had shown up on their doorstep. You know, please can you have my pet? And they would just do it. They're just always helping out neighbours. They're just real, really kind, inherently kind people. Yeah. Um, do you think that kindness has kind of been co-opted a little bit by? social media and has become a bit of a buzzword separate from what you've described which is genuine actual kindness it's almost become a little bit performative in some ways definitely kindness is something you do it's not something that you say or wear on a t-shirt no it's a it's an act it's a real Mm. act and I think there's a lot in you know you know Lottie picking up on on the book that you wrote at soft power and being soft and and being kind and and that not being weak. I think the thing around social media now is this idea that we have to be resilient and powerful and and actually you can be soft and you can be kind and that builds relationships and bolsters your network and is just as important in terms of whatever it is you want to develop for yourself, be it a career, be it relationships, etc. And it's it's underrated. But yeah, I do think it's become a social we- a media buzzword for sure. And I think actually kindness is about the act. When's the last time you did something, did something kind? We're just going to go to a quick ad break, but we will be right back. And we're back with Abigail Bergstrom, whose fourth piece of advice for us is that you need to stop being so hard on yourself. Yes, I think we all need to hear that sometimes. Who said that to you, Abby? And and what did it what did it mean to you at the time? This is something that my best friend Lydia has said to me. Oh my gosh, we've been friends since we were 12, 13. She has said to me ever since we first met, and she still to this day continues to say to me, because we're all so hard on ourselves, you know, and there's such a kind of pressure on uh, our value being aligned with our productivity and our output and the expectations we have are so high. We're suddenly more aware than ever of the successes of other people because of social media um, and the highlight reel that's presented on there. And I think it's just so, I get so lost in, oh, you should be doing this and you're not doing enough of that. And 
not even just around work, even, you know, berating myself for not having worked out that week or not have, you know, been eating as healthily as I'd like, not taking into account all of the other things that have been going on in my life that week, just sort of giving myself a hard time, jumping to the conclusion that it's my fault if I'm not living this perfect equilibrium all the time, which is just, you know, way too much for anyone to bear. I totally, totally relate to this one. I think I think so many, I don't know if it's just women, but I don't know of any men that complain of it as much as my female friends do, of just this kind of constant internal monologue of like, oh, you shouldn't have done that, or why are you doing this? And, you know, food, exercise, you haven't texted this person back when you said you would, you need to think of a birthday present, you haven't sent a card, you need, like just the constant like burden of life <laughs> Do you know what? somebody said to me the other day that some people don't have that internal narrative some people just don't have that internal voice it's just like mm, really yeah not everybody has it which blew my absolute mind that's just my vo- wow. internal voice is so loud like what you just said wow lucky them although i guess in some ways you'd Maybe it makes you not as kind a person because, you know, part of being kind is constantly sort of asking yourself questions and thinking about other people, isn't it? And if you weren't doing that. Yeah, it's finding that line, isn't it? It's finding that line between how much you should give away to others and how much you want to give away to others and how much you need to keep back for yourself. Yeah. And I think as as women, we definitely overstep the mark in that sense. We are conditioned to give away so much of ourselves way more than we have to give and it's expected of us and I think it's it's great to have somebody in your life like your friend Lydia or for me it's my wife really we do kind of remind each other that we need to stop being so hard on ourselves um because it's as someone that does that sort of constant monologue you don't ever say really ever say to yourself oh for god's sake just stop it and have a bag of doritos watch tv and don't worry about texting your friend back so you need someone else to say that to you i think so it's great that yeah that you've got that person in your life yeah i'm very lucky to have her what's your fifth piece of advice abby my fifth piece of advice is um a quote actually it wasn't directly aimed at me um it's from naira wahid's book salt and it's the thing you are most the thing you are most afraid to write write that that's a beautiful quote and i'm interested to know what it means to you so i think before i sat down and wrote my debut novel which was it happened over a period of a few years i think i was too scared to pursue my own creativity and i think that's why this quote really spoke to me i was afraid to put pen to paper I'd been so successful in helping other writers find that thing within them that they felt compelled to write about. And yet I was in denial or maybe not able to do it for myself. And it just really brought to light that I wanted to write. I had a overwhelming uh, desire and urge to write and I wasn't fulfilling that in myself because of fear. Fear of what do you think? Um, Fear of it not being good, fear of the art that I put out there not being immediately perfect (laughs) or liked Mm. or wanted. I think fear of transitioning from the role of um, somebody who's a catalyst and facilitates somebody else's writing into somebody who wants to put out and put forward their own. And I also just think 
you know, often so many, well, when I speak to kind of aspiring writers, often so many of them are kind of grappling with what is the thing that you, that they want to write? Like, what's the thing that I should write about? You know, my advice is always to share this quote. And I think, you know, if you dig deep inside of yourself, you know, you know what it is, you know what you instinctively want to talk about, what you're passionate about. You know, for me, that was female shame and vulnerability. And those are very much the themes that come up in my book. So I think it's a good starting point as a young or aspiring writer. Definitely, definitely. And I think that once you can get past that and once you've done it, and I, I, I've done this myself as a writer, and I think, Abby, you'll attest to it too, like there's such a sense of possibility and freedom once you make the first move and actually put pen to paper and, and write about the thing that, that does scare you. Or if writing in itself is the thing that scares you, once you get past that, it's it's quite joyful. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. It's just overcoming that. I think so many of us freeze because we are we, we put this expectation on ourselves that the first thing that we put down on the page is going to be perfect. And I say to my authors all the time, you know, the first, second, third draft aren't going to be that good. They're going to be bad. You're going to write a few bad books before you write a good one. And that's the process. That's what everyone does. That's what every single writer has had to do. Totally. Yeah. And I've needed to hear that. My God. A few times. <laughs> this is so true. Um, your sixth piece of advice is to stay curious. Yes. What do you mean by this? Stay curious. This was actually something that um, a, a, an advice that was given to me from an old colleague. And I think what this means to me is there's this idea now that we need to know everything. We need to have decided how we feel. We need to have taken our political stance. You know, but uh, humans aren't static. We move, we transition, we're changing, we're evolving all the time. And so therefore should our perspective on the world. And I think one of the hardest thing in this day and age is to say, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Actually, I don't know enough about that to comment. Um, we feel there's not a lot of space for curiosity and the uncertainty it demands because curiosity demands uncertainty. So I think this is a good piece of advice for me to not feel that I have to know everything or be across everything or have decided on everything. And that actually the real beauty and I think a real you know part of why I've been successful in my job has been curiosity, seeking out new things and not being afraid to say I don't know, which is hard. I think you're so you're so right. And so much of I think prejudice and people not understanding things very well comes from a lack of curiosity. If someone tells you they identify as a certain way, isn't it more interesting to ask them questions about that than to sort of put your defenses up and tell them what you think about it? It just, it's bizarre to me that that can be some people's reaction. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it comes from fear, I think. Fear that they uh, take, well, have this pressure that they should already know everything about that. And it, no, we should, we should be open to having these compassionate and kind conversations, I guess. But it's hard. It's hard. It is. Um, your bad piece of advice. My bad piece of advice. Now, I feel slightly guilty about this one because I've got two older sisters and they both have given me so much good advice throughout my life. 
Uh, but this is a bad piece of advice that they gave me. And it's never say I love you first. Okay. <laughs> and I will... Protecting you. <laughs> yeah, they always, they, they kind of instilled this idea in me when I was very young that you should always hold back, you know, never let uh, the other person know how much you like them, um, how much you fancy them, or, you know, if you're falling for somebody, like, don't give that away, like, you've got to make the other person fall for you first, you know, which I suppose is is a definite protection, And but true connection is formed on vulnerability, and I think I spent a lot of my 20s being quite cold and holding back, and... Yeah, I think it impacted negatively on a lot of relationships that I was in or trying to have. And it's definitely something that my partner now has picked up on and spoken to me about, about how difficult that was at the beginning. And I am actually a very warm, affectionate person, but that didn't come through because I kind of had this thing in mind that I had to let that person come to me first. And that's just not the way it works. I think that's that is great advice. But as you say, it's this it comes down to vulnerability, doesn't it? And feeling comfortable and confident enough in yourself to face the fear of rejection I suppose yeah definitely it's definitely about the fear of rejection and that being okay I suppose being comfortable enough in yourself that if somebody rejects you in that romantic way that you can go okay that 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 wasn't for me and that doesn't you know I'm still great and I've still got a hell of a lot to offer and I'm going to continue on in my path and someone else will come along yeah which is all stuff that is so brilliantly explored in your book as well abby so just remind us when what shame is is coming out and who it's published by so what a shame is published by hodder and it's um coming out in february um but you can pre-order it now it's available for pre-order it's been so great talking to you abby thank you so much for sharing your advice i think you've really got such a unique perspective um through your career and also yeah your own life and it's just been a pleasure so thank you thank you so much for having me abigail bergstrom really great to speak to her and get her perspective on life and work i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and if you did we would love you to like share and review grazia life advice wherever you get your podcasts it really helps us out when you do so thank you for listening take care and i'll be here again next time